This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and you're listening to episode 56. Today, I'm talking with Carrie Rickenberg. She is the director of donor relations for Wheeler Mission. Wheeler Mission is a homeless shelter here in Indianapolis. They provide social services, critically needed goods and services to those experiencing homelessness in Indianapolis. In this episode, Carrie shares with us how the onset of COVID affected Wheeler Mission and how they operate, how they've adapted, and what they're doing going forward. We also get to talk about one of my favorite races here in Indianapolis of the year, which is the Drumstick Dash. This is their biggest fundraiser of the year. And so they have a virtual and they have a scaled down in-person option as well. So if the drumstick dash is something that you have done in the past, no fear, you can still do it here in 2020. So uh, a lot of people will be doing it virtually and that is an option. And the cool thing about the drumstick dash is absolutely 100% of the proceeds go to Wheeler Mission. Uh, You guys can find more information about that when you go to drumstickdash.org. But in this episode, we hear a little bit more about Carrie's backstory, how she landed at Wheeler, and it's a great episode. It's a fun one. All right, friends, if you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening, and make sure you check out the other podcasts in the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. I'll have another with Lindsay Hine and the Up and Running Podcast. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Carrie Rickenberg. All right. Well, today on the Illuminate podcast, we have Carrie Rickenberg on the show. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Oh, thank you for having me. How is your day going? How is virtual learning going with your kindergartner? Oh, it's a trip. It's a trip. We're almost four weeks in, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm doing second and kindergarten and kindergarten is way harder than second grade. That's good to hear. Cause I feel like it's really hard. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You have to do twice <laughs> double duty. Yeah. I mean, the thing about kindergarten is you know, like kindergarten is so much just in person, you know, so socialization and, and things like that, that sitting on a computer screen for your kindergartner is so challenging and I don't know what school system you're in, but IPS. Yep, that one. <laughs> okay. They have YouTube on those iPads. I know. Oh, I know. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a bit of a distraction. But yeah. That's okay. Um, okay, so Carrie is the Director of Donor Relations at Wheeler Missions here in Indianapolis. Gosh, I've known about Wheeler for a very long time since I moved up to Indy in 2006. Wow. I'm dating myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
We uh, lived downtown when we first moved here, and like right downtown. So I probably lived three blocks from Wheeler at some point in time. So maybe you can just share a little bit with the listeners what Wheeler Mission does. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Wheeler is an organization that provides shelter, care, and recovery services for men, women, and children experiencing homelessness. Uh, we've been around for almost 127 years, and we operate um, throughout Indianapolis and Bloomington. And yeah, this is um, a uh, it's a, an organization near and dear to my heart. And it's amazing. We hear amazing stories of transformation for individuals that have been helped. And um, uh, our team does really important work. And we're just really honored to be able to serve in the Indianapolis community and Bloomington communities. So so tell us about how you landed at Wheeler. What were you doing before Wheeler career-wise? Yeah. So I have been working in similar organizations for almost 10 years, um, doing marketing communications and fundraising. And back in 2014, I was actually at a conference in St. Louis and there was a breakout session about the drumstick dash and how this mission in Indianapolis had arranged this big, huge thing and raised all this money and had this huge road race in Indianapolis. And I thought that was super interesting. So I went to hear about it. And Steve Kerr and um, my two other colleagues, Brian and Tammy, were doing this breakout session. And I was just so impressed how this homeless shelter in Indy had gathered like 20,000 people to run in Broad Ripple every uh, Thanksgiving morning and raise nearly a million dollars. It was just amazing. And I thought, what a great team. I'd love to be a part of them. Uh, fast forward a handful of out-of-state moves later, I find that my family and I are now living in Indianapolis and the first place I reached out to was Wheeler because I was so um, inspired by that session and just excited by that team. And uh, six years later, here I am working with them. So that's how I landed at Wheeler. That's so cool. Yeah, I've known Steve and Brian and Tammy for a long time. Such a such a great crew. I used to work yeah. for Back on My Feet. So um, obviously was very intertwined with a yeah. lot of things. Yeah, with Wheeler. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and honestly... We can talk about the drumstick dash a little bit too. I mean, we could even start off there because sure. it's so cool. I mean, Steve and I think Bob Kennedy kind of yep. started this race that totally benefits Wheeler Mission on a day Thanksgiving, you know, yep. where you're spending time with your family most of the day and thinking about all you're grateful for. And I think that... And you correct me if I'm wrong, that Drumstick Dash was probably one of the first of this, like, you know, now it's like a big thing to have races on Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, I think it was definitely a trendsetter in that. Yeah, and it's just blown up. I mean, I can't remember how many people did that first Dash about 20 years ago. But now, I mean, the numbers have grown to nearly 20,000 people, which is absolutely amazing. I think we're the the 50th largest race in the country, which is amazing to me. It all started with Wheeler, but yeah, and a hundred percent of it supports the mission. So, okay. But you're the 50th largest in the country, but like, what about on Thanksgiving day? Aren't you guys one of the like top three or four? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where we fall in the rankings, but definitely the top. <laughs> so yeah, it's crazy. And you know, I think I've kind of seen the drumstick dash, grow throughout the years. I would say my first drumstick dash was probably 2007, like right after we moved oh, wow. up here. Yeah. So I, we've probably only missed a couple of years and, Aww. you know, just because we went to, we went home for Thanksgiving a day early or something like that. 
Yeah. Um, but once we started doing it every year, we kind of made the commitment. We always go to where my husband is from, which is two hours away every Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of made the commitment. We don't come until after the drumstick dash. So oh, we go. that's awesome. Yeah. We go yeah. to the dash, we go home, we shower, we get everybody ready. And even with, we did it with all four kids last year. Um, and then, and it was not easy at all. I did mean, you, did, did they run or did you have to push them? Oh gosh. So this was the first year that we did the, the shorter option because okay. normally we do the, the longer one and we push people. Um, no, this was the second year we did the shorter option. I'm wrong. Um, and it was kind of a nightmare in the sense that like I'm carrying a crying kid. The big kids are complaining because they don't want to walk, but I'm like, it's worth it. We're doing oh it. God. We're doing it every year. <laughs> um, but that is not anything negative about the drumstick dash. Nope. That is negative about, um, that's just the, the realness of having four kids, seven and under trying to do the drumstick dash. Oh yeah. I feel that 100%. My kids do it too every year. And I mean, I'm working the dash. So my husband's wrangling all three and like, I have my parents in and stuff like that, but it's absolute mess. It's just a mess. Someone's crying. Someone's lost. Oh my goodness. We lost my daughter once. Uh, It's fine. We found her, but it's, yeah, it's just part of the experience. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I I would never change it and we'll continue to do it. And I'm sure, I'm sure as they get older, it'll get easier. I mean, we were last year in a really hard spot. We were, um, like just turned one. Oh yeah. Two and a half. Oh, four. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Seven. It was, yeah, it was a lot, but, um, so tell us a little bit more about the drumstick dash. What are you guys doing this year? Obviously you're going virtual. Well, so we have a couple of different things. So obviously we can't pile 15,000 people, um, in broad ripple, unfortunately, but we are still committed to, you know, making it the fun, traditional, quirky event that everyone has come to love so much on Thanksgiving. But we have um, pending city approval. We are working for an in-person option, but it will be completely scaled back. So um, it's going to look different. So there will be, again, pending city approval. There will be two start times, one at 8 a.m. and one at 10 a.m., and they'll both be capped at 3,000 people each, and those will kind of be rolling starts, so you can kind of pop in when you're ready to go, and we're going to space everybody out by 12 square feet of distance. Everybody will be wearing masks at the start, and then they can take off from there. Um, and then, and we're eliminating touch points like the expo that we all love Mm -hmm. so much. It's going to be virtual and interactive and still super fun, but we just can't do that in person this year. So everybody is going to get their, uh, their packets mailed to them complimentary. So no one has to pay for that. Um, and we've eliminated like the vendor village, the food court, things like that. So we grab and go and all that fun stuff, but it's still going to be interactive and fun on the court. But for those that can't join us or aren't comfortable joining on Thanksgiving morning, the virtual option is there and it's way more robust. We've always had the the out of town mm-hmm. dash around for you to do wherever you are, but we're making it way more interactive and engaging this year. We're going to be using race joy so people can uh, track their, um, their start times and their distance and it'll automatically get submitted when they're done. You can cheer for your friends virtually. We're going to still do prizes like crazy, lots of fun stuff. So it's going to look different, but it's still going to be fun. And we're just really asking people, please continue to participate. This is a $1 million day for Wheeler. Yeah. It's so important. And we rely on that money so much, especially this year. 
So no matter where you are, even if you're disappointed you can't be in Broad Ripple, please, please, please still do the dash. It means so much to Wheeler. 100% of the proceeds uh, benefit our men, women, and children. So that's that's how it's going to be this year. Yeah. And talk about how 100% benefits. I mean, I've worked yeah. in nonprofit. I'm assuming it's because you have spons- sponsors underwriting all the costs. Yes. We have so many amazing sponsors. And the other thing that's really cool about the Dash is that we completely own it and we run it. Our events team runs it. So we're not contracting this out. We're doing it ourselves. So it is something like truly 100% when you are lacing up, you know, like your, your, your registration and anything else that you do, any fundraising that you do, you can also fundraise. Like as soon as you register, you get a fundraising page. You can do that on Facebook. All of that comes right to Wheeler and it's, yeah. So it's, it's an awesome way to make an impact. That's so cool. Well, the Heinz will be signing up. We love it. We Thank you. Yeah, we do it every year. I have several of my friends in Indianapolis <clears throat> in Indianapolis do it. Um, okay. Awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about Wheeler and, you know, what it looked like during COVID and how the Indianapolis community came behind oh, yeah. you all and helped and, and what was all that like? So it's been a road. My goodness. Um, let's okay. Six months in a holy cow. I can't believe it's been six months, but so looking back at March, um, so in March at the onset of COVID, we were still operating in winter contingency mode, which is essentially our season where we go way above and beyond our uh, typical capacity so that everybody in need can get off the streets and have a safe place to sleep. As you know, Indiana winters are just brutal. So um, when the pandemic really hit and we realized, okay, it's here, uh, we had about a thousand men, women, and children across all of our facilities. So our buildings are absolutely bursting. And I will never forget this. I was watching the news when I first heard the term social distancing and I thought, huh, how's that going to work? Right. Like really like 100%, how is that going to work? And we shared a photo of our day room at our shelter for men. And it was simply a picture of like 400, 450 men sitting shoulder to shoulder. And we were just like, this is what we're dealing with. Social distancing just isn't an option right now. And um, we were deemed an essential service. So um, we were able to continue sheltering people, but we knew that we had to spread everybody out as soon as possible. And so we really just kind of took a deep breath and just like rolled up our sleeves and just started started figuring it out. And we had to adapt so, so fast. Um, so we couldn't keep our buildings packed. And so a church that had already had to suspend services um, opened, like offered up their building for us to have a satellite shelter. So some of our staff um, were able to staff that. And we, I, I think it was about 80 of our most vulnerable men were able to go there um, the, the city of Indianapolis identified some other locations for satellite shelters and the board of health opened them. And we were able to, I think, send about 200 men. So that immediately, um, <clears throat> trimmed down our numbers at our shelter for men, but we had to make some really hard decisions. Um, we had to, for the first time, probably ever send our volunteers home. We had to mm-hmm. suspend volunteerism that was a huge hit because we rely on a, not a small army of volunteers. We use thousands of volunteers. So they had to go home and that was really heartbreaking. And then our staff had to pick up the slack. Um, so, uh, our, our frontline shelter staff, they were just working overtime, like nonstop, nonstop. Um, 
our administrative staff, some of our, our team uh, started uh, reallocating their time over to the shelters to help uh, serve meals, man the desk, clean, that sort of thing. But it completely changed everything. Um, we reconfigured our shelter spaces and um, shifted beds around and every, everything changed. So it was just, it was wild. And we honestly haven't really exhaled since. So I can't even imagine how hard that could have been. I don't even know how you all did it. So when, when you were looking for facilities, like you said, the church opened up and the city of Indianapolis found places like, who do you even go to? Like, where do you start? I don't know. I, (laughs) I mean, exactly. I mean, I think I wasn't a part of those conversations, but it was an immediate, like we need help and we need, you know, we got to, we can't do this on our own. I mean, this was the first time we'd ever had to do anything like this before. And we'd obviously, we'd had overflow spaces before for winter, but nothing at this magnitude before. I mean, with winter, you could, you could use every square inch, you know, you didn't have to space out by so much. So, but the city and the health department, they did so much legwork. We just really can't sing their praises enough. They never, they didn't leave us alone in this Mm. at all. So that was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. That's so awesome. What is it? What's going on now? We're recording this early September. Yeah. So, um, things have, I would, I, I hesitate to say the word stabilize because I don't want it, but like, but truly it's not as a a frantic and I shudder to say new normal, but that's really what it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, we have, we've kept our shelter, um, our numbers down. Um, we have reduced our capacity by, by a lot. Um, volunteers have been able to slowly transition back. They are not, we're not nearly what we were. I think our director of volunteers shared with me that it's about maybe 30%. So it's still pretty slim with volunteers, but they are starting to come back. Um, but I mean, our, our buildings are filled with hand washing stations that the board of health, you know, set up for us. We're doing temperature checks like Mm. crazy. We're testing like crazy, our guests and staff have gotten sick. And so, um, that's just part of our regular routine. Um, our center for women and children, our moms and kids are doing e-learning too. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, that's what it's like. And, um, you know, visitors have been trimmed, like we're not doing visitors, that sort of thing. So things look different, but we're very happy. We've resumed programming that did have to stop for a while, which was really sad. Um, cause we had this crisis on our hands that we had to address, but now that we've kind of figured it out a bit, um, we can get back to the business of what we were doing. Um, and as far as the long-term programs go, so that's really good, but yeah, our dorms, they're spread out, they're configured differently. Um, our meal service looks different. We're doing a lot of bagged lunches. Thanks to a lot of volunteers offsite. It's amazing. Um, where are those volunteers coming from? So, I mean, everywhere it's been incredible. So some churches have taken up that, that task, um, individuals that used to come in, they've been doing it restaurants. Oh my goodness. Like that's one of the things that started Mm -hmm. to like restaurants were hit, have been hit. They're not, they're still feeling it. It's awful. But so many of them, as soon as this, this happened, they're like, we have extra food. Can we give it to you? We'll make lunches for you. It was amazing. Wow. And then businesses started sponsoring restaurants to make meals. It was a really beautiful collaboration. So, and I think since March, um, about 20,000 bag lunches have been donated to Wheeler, which is so cool. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we'll list some of those restaurants. I'm curious to know who stepped up. We'll put those in the show notes. I That'd be awesome. I'm pretty amazed by that, considering the fact that restaurants have been hit so hard. And I mean, it's pretty sad. This winter, I I don't know how the local businesses, the local restaurants are going to survive. I know. And that's, they're one of the reasons I love Indy so much. Mm -hmm. My husband and I are big foodies and it's just, we have such a great time, but like, and I, I just, it's heartbreaking and takeout isn't going to always cut it. You know, it's not the same. So yeah, they were just completely selfless and so open-handed. Um, I yeah, I remember one restaurant in particular. It was Tinker Street. Um, mm-hmm. They had their staff just regularly making lunches like together for like, and I think they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is amazing. And they're not open right now. So wow, I know. So wow, yeah, pretty pretty selfless people. So support them <laughs> for sure. I know. Pete the Planner, who has been on this podcast, yes. and he's like a a pretty like well-known indie guy. Yes. Um, he tweeted recently, like, go support your local restaurants. Like, this is the only way they're gonna survive. And it's just so hard because so many people who want to go out to eat have also been hit hard by COVID financially. Yes. So it's like hard to go out to eat because your income might be suffering too. So it's just like, if you can do it, but also yeah. you don't want to be reckless with your own finances yes. and like be going out to dinner five nights a week or your health for that matter. <laughs> yes. But if you can do go out to eat five times a week. Yes. <laughs> oh, totally. And tip your servers well too. Oh, Yes. It must be hard to have to turn people down because you guys have for so long have a legacy of not having to do that. I know. I know. Um, There are still other, um, other um, satellite shelters like that. The board, like I said, the board of health opened them and uh, the the city is funding hotels to host Mm -hmm. um, individuals that need somewhere to go to, but it definitely goes against the grain. We never had to, to slim back like this. So that is really sad. Um, and we're trying to figure out what to do for winter. It's coming. It's almost here. Um, but yeah, this is serious and it's really, really for individuals that are experiencing homelessness. So many of them already have underlying health issues. They're already Mm -hmm. vulnerable to COVID Mm -hmm. in general. So it's so incredibly important that, um, they have somewhere to go. So this is just, this is hard on lots and lots of areas. I will say for women and children though, we've already begun expand. We've, we're in the middle, um, of a huge expansion. So I, I've heard that that should be ready by spring, um, which is amazing. And we keep saying this, like, had this been done, (laughs) oh, had we known this was coming, but if we'd been ready, it would have been a game changer because it like our new facility that we're building, is already will be set up for space and for, um, you know, more private areas and like, you know, smaller groups and things like that. So that would have been amazing. Um, our shelter for men, we are doing because of COVID COVID, um, kicked this into gear. We are doing an expansion project there. We're renovating a space that we haven't been able to use yet. So we're doing that, um, hoping that that that'll continue to help us, you know, store things better and create again, more, more space for people. So that's really important. So that's an urgent project that we've already started immediately as well. So, and we're doing the same thing in Bloomington as well. So we're working, we're doing what we can, but it's definitely, definitely difficult. Yeah. Can you share with everybody a little bit more about your women's programs? 
Yes. Um, and a lot of people before we started the expansion weren't even aware that Wheeler really helped women and children. And, uh, we did a lot of, we raised a lot of awareness, uh, while we were raising the funds to expand. And so people learned about it that way. Um, but yeah, we, our center for women and children is amazing and we have single women and women with children. Um, so, and we have kids, you know, from infants to, to school aged and, uh, there's programs for the moms and there's a daycare on site for our kids that aren't in school. There's, um, recovery services also for, um, women that are working through addiction. So it's a holistic program. There's lots of different tracks for lots of different women with many different circumstances, but it's absolutely amazing. Um, and we've got a lot of great partners that wrap around our families to provide support for school and whatnot, but it's such an amazing, amazing place. It's really beautiful. I'm really proud of what they're doing and yeah, and this is a, this is a crazy time for them too. Like I said, with e-learning and everything, that's a new thing, but our moms have had to constantly adapt to, you know, this whole, how that much this has changed for their kids, but they're doing great. So. Yeah. What do you do for the moms with the e-learning? Well, in general, what do you do and what does it look like if a mom is staying um, at your shelter and she has to leave for work? What do you guys do with about childcare? Yeah, so we have um, a revive. Our revive kids is our daycare, is our children's uh, program, and so we have an amazing team that. So our moms, they can drop their kids off in the daycare, and then they can go through with a program undistracted. They can focus on what they're working through, whatever their particular track is, and their kids are engaged in really dynamic programming um, and age appropriate stuff. And so it's a really cool way for the kids to develop and blossom, and the moms to have support too. So, and then with e learning. A lot of the moms, um, they have had to pause like their own program, like their own, just so that they can manage their kids e-learning because they're doing it with them. Um, but our staff is supporting them. School on Wheels has been an amazing partner mm-hmm. too, just sharing mm-hmm. best practices and, um, you know, they're, they're in communications with the school district with IPS and they're relaying that information. They're helping our moms as well. So we've got a lot of great partners that are helping in that area too, but it's, it's definitely, it's definitely challenging in lots of, lots of different ways, but lots of good comes out of there. It's amazing. Yeah. School on wheels. That's such a great program. I used to volunteer for them and then oh, I, really? I think I stopped after I had my second. It makes sense. I know. You always <laughs> Were you tutoring? Guilty. Yeah. No. Yeah. I yeah, went down awesome. to the Salvation Army Center mm. um, near you, kind of near you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it's always hard to find that balance as a parent, yeah. you know, because you still want to volunteer at places like that, but for short yeah. periods of time or sort of long periods of time, depending on how many kids you have, yes. <laughs> um, yes. you have to shift those, the ways that you're volunteering and things like that so that your life has the balance that you want it to, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. But life has lots of different chapters. So it's, you can always jump back in when it allows. So <laughs> That's so true. I've been saying yeah. though, for like eight years, I'm going to start running with back on my feet again once oh. I, I'm sleeping well. And then I have <laughs> another baby, well. <laughs> you know, cause they run at five 30 in the morning. I know. Uh, do you run with them? No, because of the kid thing. I know. Well, yeah, because your youngest is one, so you've been going through this cycle yes. for five years. Oh, now. Yeah. 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 I'll get there. Yeah. I'll get there. We'll both do it. We can hold each other accountable. Perfect. 
So as far as the shelters go, um, what does it look like as far as how long someone can stay at Wheeler and the men's and women's program? Is any of it long-term? And then I know you yeah. also have um, a recovery program that people yeah. can go through as well. So can you share a little bit about those things? Yeah. So the program length really varies based on the individual. Um, they Wheeler does an amazing job of taking the person and the circumstances into account. The programs do vary in length. There, are, there is a length of the program, but there's not a hard, like, you're gone. Um, so some folks, like, they'll finish the program, and then they'll do an internship mm. with Wheeler, which is also amazing. So it's continued support and helping them practice the skills that they've learned. So, again, someone could be here for a year. Someone could be here a little longer. Someone might just come for emergency services, and they might only stay for 30 days or less. So it just kind of depends on the individual, what they're looking for and what their needs are, and then also how – much they're able, how quickly they're able to transition out. I would imagine right now, I mean, sometimes like, I think things have stalled. I think they're picking back up, but I, I would, it, you know, services had to stall around the city in general because Mm -hmm. of COVID. So, um, always taking all those things into account. So it just varies by, um, location and program, but yeah, there is recovery programs for both men and women. Um, our men, in the Bloomington area. So they're there. They're engaged in um, a lot. Like It's a busy, long program with recovery classes. And then there's also work therapy, um, social enterprise. They're, they're working in the pallet shop. Our women work in restored creations. If you've ever heard of the candle making enterprise, that's really amazing. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So they, they make and sell really beautiful candles and that's part of their, their, um, their process. Where can um, we buy but, them? You can buy them. Um, there's lots of different vendors around that sell them, but you can also buy them at the Center for Women and Children or online. They have a whole website. It's really beautiful, and they have a Facebook page. You can follow them, too. So it's an amazing way to support um, women experiencing homelessness. Like, So it's awesome. So, it's, so what's it called? Restored Creations. Okay. Oh, very cool. It I is. It's awesome. I am candle obsessed. Oh, really? Oh, oh good. Oh, then you'd love this. Yeah, I have candles. I mean, I don't make them, and I never will, but... I won't either. I have (laughs) candles burning in my house, like, all day, every day. I'm obsessed. Oh, well, give them a little shop and, you know, take a peruse. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay, so I have a question about... So you guys are a faith-based organization. Mm -hmm. You're a Christian Mm -hmm. organization. And you're for sure the largest homeless shelter in the state? I think so. Yeah, in the state. Yes. Yeah, in the state. Yes. Yes. Question. Do you ever get like pushback from donors or funders or people wanting to donate or help because of that? Sometimes, but it's been part of our, it's, it's central to our mission. It's who we are. It's how, it's how we were, we were founded on the same principles and our core values haven't changed. So, and I think most people really appreciate that about us, that we haven't wavered. We've been very upfront about that. Like we're inspired to serve because of our faith and, um, people, that's something you can easily get behind and, you know, be proud of. So sometimes there's pushback and that's fine. And, um, you know, there's other agencies you can support doing amazing things. Um, but Wheeler, we work with everyone. And, uh, so, and, and people trust us. And we're, like I said, we're very transparent. And so honestly, we have 
I, the pushback is minimal. Oh, good. Very, very minimal. Yeah. 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 I was just curious because I know there's another organization that's faith-based called Safe Families. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah. 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 And I have friends that do that. Yeah. And I know there, I've seen like pushback about it because, you know, you're supposed to be a Christian family to be a safe family Mm -hmm. host. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it's such an amazing, incredible organization and they're, they're helping so many kids. So, yeah. And I just feel like in 2020, um, sometimes you get pushback for, for, your faith a little bit more than you once did. So, um, as a human being and an organization, I'm just curious. I was just curious about that. Very, Uh, very minimal. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. Well, this has been just so wonderful and I am a huge supporter of Wheeler and the drumstick dash. And, you know, I know Steve Kerr is just such an amazing guy and doing so much great work in this community. So, um, yeah, I just thank you guys so much for all that you do. We have some fun questions we cool. usually wrap up with. Do you have anything else though about Wheeler, about the programming that you want to offer up to our listeners to hear about? Oh man, just how, um, incredible our guests have been and are. And I think that there's a lot of misconceptions often about, um, the road that leads to homelessness. And I just want people to understand that it's complex and there is no one size fits all solution and track. And I think that that's something that's really beautiful about Wheeler is that again, Wheeler just takes the whole person into account and really, um, honors their dignity and their journey. And I think that that is something that's unique and special. And again, we couldn't do what we do without the community. And and that's another thing that's amazing. It's such a great place to serve at, serve with. Um, We really value our partners and there's, there's a place for everyone to serve, be it serving a meal or teaching classes. And this is just an incredible place to use your own gifts and your abilities and to really, really do tremendous work. So that's just something that's really special about Wheeler. I love that so much. Do you guys do work with the poorhouse at all? Yeah, I think we have. Yes. Yes. I don't know a ton about our relationship with them, but I know that um, William, who's our director at our shelter for men, has talked to me about, I mean, about the collaboration here and there. They're on, are they in Midtown? Well, I think they meet downtown. Oh, Um, they do meet downtown. Yeah. And I mean, they might be doing stuff in Midtown as well now, Mm. but um, I met Andrea Demink about eight, nine years ago now. she gave us masks. Yes. Okay. 100%. She gave us a ton of masks. It's all coming back to me because I don't always work with those relationships. But yes, yeah. she gave us a ton of stuff. Yes, we definitely do. Yeah. Yes. She she is incredible. She's an incredible woman. She's somebody I actually like when we launched this podcast. I was like, will you please come on? Please come Aww. on. I haven't got her to come on yet because just I just don't think she personally wants to be in the spotlight at all. Yeah. Um. But, you know, I learned a lot from Andrea when they launched the poor house. And um, this is when I was a super young professional. I didn't have any kids yet. And just Mm -hmm. the things that you were just saying, like putting, putting a, a um, humanizing homelessness, I guess is a a good way to put it. Um, You know, their, their motto or whatever you want to call it, whatever they go by is my name is not homeless. Yes. I'm yes. not the homeless guy. My name is yeah. John or my name is Lindsay or whatever it is. Yep. Um, so it's really cool to, to know that you guys are working. She's, they're just a, such a smaller operation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we support them every month because. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I just, I really believe in the work she's doing. So, um, yeah, cool. That's cool to know that you guys have worked together. Yeah. (laughs) Glad I remembered. (laughs) So you mentioned in your email that Indianapolis was like the one place that you told your (laughs) husband you would never want to live. And here you are living in Indianapolis, working downtown. So how did you guys land here? Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was really wild. Um, yeah, we, we had moved around quite a bit and, um, which I love to do. I love to move. It's fun for me, but my husband had this job opportunity and he was like, it's in Indianapolis. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> but I told you when we got married, I wasn't going to live here. And I really hadn't even been to Indianapolis. It was like the state of Indiana. I just thought I understood and I didn't, <laughs> but yeah, we we moved here like right after um our second child, my daughter was born and we we came and I was just so pleasantly surprised. I mean, I don't know. I really like it here a lot. I really I think it's a great place to live with kids. I just love all that. Yeah, work brought us here and work will keep us here. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so he, he got a job here and then you got a job at Wheeler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we came here for him. Definitely for him. <laughs> you said you like to move a lot. Are you a seven on the Enneagram? I am a three. Okay. I'm a three. Okay. Yes. But, yeah, I feel like I definitely have seven tendencies. That's the adventure dreamer, right? Um. Yeah. I claim to be a seven and I don't even know all the tendencies. I don't don't even know all the (laughs) things about it. Everybody listening, if if you're like, what is the Enneagram? Go back and listen because we had Ian Morgan Cron on the show and he talked all about the Enneagram. It's like a personality test type thing. So uh, check that out. All right, Carrie, what is one thing professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, okay. Um, let's go with personally. Uh, my husband and I really planned to do a big Europe trek and then the kids just kept happening. So, um, yeah, so we're hoping and, and then COVID happened this year will be our 10 year wedding anniversary. And so we are planning theoretically to go to Europe at some point in 2021 ish. Okay. Um, so we got married in December of 2010. So we'll, we're giving ourselves till 2021 to make it happen, but that's something we have to do together. We have lots of plans to do that. Sans kids. Yeah, no, I, I'm not bringing the kids. Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. No, 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 no. They can go another time. Yeah. But no. So no. do you have grandparents nearby or would you have to get it like a week, uh, two week or 10 day babysitter or what? Right. Well, yeah, we would definitely um, send the kids to my parents. Yeah. And yeah, the, they'll all be very happy. So there we go. And that's, I'll be undistracted. That's pretty amazing that your parents will will take them when they're that Oh, little. my gosh. They love doing it. Really? They do. Uh, it's lovely. I'm envious. My mom loves taking my big boys, um, but she does not do babies and toddlers. I hear you. Like, yeah. doesn't yeah. hold them, doesn't want to chase them around. Like, if I'm desperate and I need, like, two hours, she will, but she doesn't want to put them to bed. Like, none of the things. So, once they hit, like, four, then she's good. So, I'm like, okay. So, that's what you're working for. When our young, working. he's two. When he's four, we can say every. <laughs> everybody's going to grandma's goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Well, I'm rooting for you. 
It's need still it. <laughs> nice though, like to take half of them. It's still it's still super helpful. Yes, yes. What's the best most recent book you've read? Oh, okay. So I just finished a book called Dream With Me oh. by Dr. John Perkins. And if you've ever, if you're not familiar with John Perkins, he is um, an absolutely incredible civil rights activist and man of faith. And he's even had advisory roles under, I think, five different U.S. presidents. Anyways, I've wow. heard him speak. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, I've heard him speak twice and I've been very inspired every single time. And I thought, you know, I really need to actually start learning from him. So I kind I'm trying to read through all his books in 2020 by the end of 2020. Um, but he's, he just shares so much wisdom about racial reconciliation, um, especially that within the faith community and justice and what that looks like. And he himself has experienced so much evil. I can't even fathom what he's experienced and just so much racism and, um, lost. His brother was murdered and, um, and I, I believe his killer was never even tried or arrested. And it's just like, how can you like live through this? But he forgives and he mm. just like, he clings to hope and he's just so inspiring. And he shares about all of that and everything that he's endured and like what he's dreaming for. And it's absolutely beautiful and a really powerful book. So I definitely recommend that. Like, I don't think he wasted a single page. It was just, wow. That it was a good amazing. one. Yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm reading that. That sounds so good. good. It's like my favorite part of the podcast is that I get really good book recommendations. Oh, yes. Because you're a reader, right? You're oh, a yeah. Reader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. reading. I've only there was more time to read more. Yes. Do you like audiobooks? I'm listening to Born a Crime right now by Trevor Noah on audio. It's a good one for audio. Yes. Yeah. There's only some that can like actually work for that. But yeah. Yeah. Very he cool. narrates it and it's his voice and he does like voices for like <laughs> when he's talking about stories from when he was a kid. He does like his kid voice and like, oh. it's pretty good. Yeah. I think, I think I would, there's few books that I say I would like audio better than actually reading. Yeah. I think this one audio is better for sure. Oh, that's awesome. I'll do that too then. Uh, okay, Carrie, what is your one message to send to the world? Oh man. So my friend actually shared this with me. So, and I'll just share it with everybody and I'm trying to live by this myself, but, um, basically just not to waste times of hardship. And I just feel like that's so applicable right now because when I look back on 2020, this year has been really crummy for everybody. I just want to remember that I didn't waste it. Mm -hmm. And um, even though it's disappointing and hard, there is good. And um, so like when I'm thinking about hard times in my life, I want to know how I pressed into it. Was I generous? Did I invest in relationships? Did I offer help? Did I ask for help when I needed it? Um, how did I help my family flourish? And um, so basically, I just I want to always remember not to, to just sit in a corner during really difficult times, but to actually use it to grow um, and change myself. Thank you so much, Carrie, for coming on the show. Don't forget to check out the Drumstick Dash friends. Go to drumstickdash.org to check it out. You can also find them on social. They are drumstick-indie over there. And big thanks to everybody who stepped up and helped out Wheeler during this crazy time. You can learn more about Wheeler Mission when you go to wheelermission.org. Make sure you're following us over on 
social. We are the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram. We are Illuminate underscore pod on Twitter. We would love to connect with you there. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. And if you are enjoying this podcast, don't forget to head over and leave us a rating and review and subscribe and share it with anyone you think might be interested in listening to this goodness, this awesome work that so many people we are able to highlight on this show are doing. So many great stories we get to hear about on this podcast, and we just want the world to know about these incredible people doing incredible things. Um, All right, friends, well, you have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next Wednesday on the Illuminate podcast.